Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen, breaking down the Jets head coaching search. The Jets, as we record right now, Monday at noon, the Jets have interviewed eight candidates. We're going to break them all down. The Jets also, if you've seen the different reports, they're reported to interview Saints secondary coach Aaron Glenn, who, of course, used to play with the Jets. But last week, EA we talked about this. The Jets were going to cast a wide net in terms of the search. And we've seen that not only with the eight candidates, but the variety within the candidates. Time is of the essence. And the Jets said all along, they they were going to be very thorough here with the head coaching search. And they certainly have been uh, thus far and already completing eight. If you think about it from a timetable perspective, Monday, Christopher Johnson addressed the media. Then Tuesday, Joe Douglas did. And then by Wednesday, the Jets kicked off the search in earnest, uh, completing an interview with Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. And then we're sitting here, like you just said, Monday morning, uh, just about an hour ago or maybe 90 minutes ago, the Jets announced they had completed an interview with Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. And it is anticipated the next domino to fall here is going to be Aaron Glenn. And don't think they're done there either after AG gets his shot in front of Christopher Johnson, Jaime Alhai, and Joe Douglas, of course. Right. And I think we have to start with Eric Bianami. Let's just go in chronological order. But just as a side note, all the guys that the Jets interviewed over the weekend, they could not interview between Wednesday and until after they played. When you think of guys like Brian Dable, Matt Eberflus, Brandon Staley, Arthur Smith, Aaron Glenn, even they all had to go through super wild card weekend before any team could interview them. So with that being said, let's start with the who could interview because the chiefs had the first round by. So when you look at the chiefs and you look at the enemy, has a running backs background and he's been the coordinator there for a couple of years. And obviously defending Super Bowl champs, they put up gaudy numbers. But the thing that I think a lot of fans will say is while he has a good reputation, so does Andy Reid. And Andy Reid is the predominant play caller there. So why is he a good fit for the Jets? But my counter on that, does it matter that he hasn't called plays? Because let's go back to what Christopher Johnson said after making the change and informing Adam Gates that he would not return in 2021. The Jets were looking for a CEO type. Well, to me, CEO type, I don't really care if you have called plays or not. I'm looking for a leader of men and a leader of my organization. And Eric Bieniemy, I feel like he's in the coaching carousel every year. And is he finally going to get that job? Not just the Jets are interviewing him. He's interviewed with a number of teams. And he's well thought of in Kansas City. He's been there a long time. Think about going back to, what, 2013 to 17, like you mentioned before, the running backs coach background. But he has been the offensive coordinator the past three years. And if you want to talk about calling plays, well, I think we should trust Andy Reid and what he said about Eric Bieniemy. He thinks he's going. he is a leader of men, and he also helps him prepare that game plan each and every week. The players have talked very highly of him from – a guy like Travis Kelsey is going to be a future Hall of Fame tight end, like we talked about, saying he's helped me take my game to another level. And then Patrick Mahomes is the game's brightest young star across the National Football League. And he said he's helped me, Eric Bieniemy has helped me become a better person 
and a better player. So I, I don't look at that anymore as far as, wow, that's a knock. He hasn't called plays in the National Football League. Well, that's okay because ultimately you're looking for somebody who is going to be a great partner with Joe Douglas and a fit for the New York Jets organization, but is the guy in control of it all? Yeah, and when you look at Kansas City's numbers, obviously that roster is uber talented with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I mean, the list goes on and on, but they're the number one offense in 2020, total offense, number one passing offense, the number one seed in the AFC. They were sixth in the NFL in points scored per game, 29.6 points per game. And Eric Bieniemy's resume is very impressive. And then after Bieniemy, the Jets interviewed Marvin Lewis, who is like the opposite of someone like Joe Brady, who we'll get to because Joe Brady's 31. Marvin Lewis is much older than that. I think he's in his 60s, right? He might be 60. And well, so, he's 62. You're right. He's double 62. his age. Yeah. Joe Brady's 31 and uh, Marvin is 62. Yeah. There you go. And Marvin Lewis, I, I think. I think the conception of Marvin Lewis in terms of NFL fans is he was the guy that never could win the game, the playoff game for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think that when you really look at what he did in Cincinnati from where that program was when he got there to where it was when he left and what it's been since, I think that you have to give Marvin Lewis, I think, more credit than he deserves. Well, there's a couple. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not that he deserves. More credit that he's been recognized for big difference there. Yeah. You were talking about perception. So I go back to Eric Bieniemy and say, okay, he's been part of a winning culture and you're attracted to that because the jets have not been to the postseason for 10 years now. That's the longest playoff drought in the national football league. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward to Marvin Lewis. Let's think about culture. Let's think about developing a program 16 years in Cincinnati. Seven times they went to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Four times they won the AFC North. Did he win a postseason game? No. How many times did the Cincinnati Bengals get to the postseason prior to Marvin Lewis arriving there? Seven times in 35 years. Yeah. So I think the job that he did in Cincinnati – Yes, is underappreciated uh, in many places. And you look, we could go back and look at all those games too. <laughs> there was one game that stands out to me when they were playing the Steelers. Vontez Perfect. If it, if something doesn't happen there, you have a W. <laughs> there, 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 there's reasons why things happen, but I'm I'm not holding it against Marvin Lewis. Um, and I think it's also good to get his thoughts because he came to, again, an organization that wasn't accustomed to winning, and he turned them into winners. Ultimately, did he get the job done or the Bengals get the job done in the postseason? No. He also has 131 wins on his NFL resume. That's 27th all time. Now people will say, well, that's a longevity award. Well, name me another guy who can last somewhere for 16 years. That speaks to who he is. Right now, interestingly enough, co-defensive coordinator on her former Jets head coach, Herman Edwards, with Arizona State. And let me say something about Herman Edwards when we go back to Eric Bieniemy. Herman Edwards, before he got the job with the New York Jets, you know what he was doing? 
He was a secondary coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Monty Kiffin was the defensive coordinator. Herman Edwards was not calling plays. And that's not a knock on Herm because, to my point, Herm came to New York and led the Jets to the postseason in three of five years, as you hear uh, my daughter in the background. She's pretty <laughs> excited about the point as well. Yeah, I think she, I think she's pretty excited about the Jets <laughs> coaching search and who the candidates are. But it, it's a good point. And, you know, you, as you're talking about someone that was a secondary coach, I mean, obviously I'm thinking of Aaron Glenn because that's one of the candidates. Currently the secondary coach of the Saints will obviously talk about him. But I think it's a good point to wrap up the Marvin Lewis bow that, you know, he does deserve more credit than what he's given so far, what, what he's received. And I think that, you know, I, like I said, a lot of people might just think, well, well, he didn't, he didn't do, he didn't do it in Cincinnati, but he also built it. And for a young team like the jets, someone that has that experience, maybe yeah. I could, I could see the appeal to Marvin Lewis because he he's older. He's, he's got that like quiet respect. And I think that he would, he would really, um, help shape the organization and the young team that the Jets are. You know, you're right. The, the big thing, too, is let's not overlook the fact that there's some information sharing and gathering going on. Whether you hire somebody or not, in, in, in many cases, you're going to learn just by having a multi-hour session uh, and talking about ideas and throwing things off people and hearing about their vision. Right. These are all good things. The more people and the more diverse this group is. So I don't look at this as a knock at all. Joe Douglas knows Marvin Lewis. Remember Joe, Doug, uh, Joe Douglas, excuse me, started in the national football league in 2000. And he was a personnel assistant under Ozzie Newsom. The defensive coordinator for the Ravens at that time was Marvin Lewis and Lewis led the NFL's lowest scoring defense in the history of the league. And of course they won the first of three Super Bowl rings. And that's another reason why you got to be excited. If you're a Jets fan, Joe Douglas has seen a champion before he's been part of three staffs in 20 plus seasons in the national football league who were the ultimate winners. Yeah, it's a great point. And then, so that, that puts Eric B and Marvin Lewis in the rear view. Then the Jets go to, Robert Sala, the 49ers defensive coordinator, who is, I would say, the epitome of like a rah-rah guy. If you've seen the 49ers play, he's always clapping. He seems like a very loud guy. And he also seems like a guy that coordinates a good defense but would demand the respect. And we'll see this throughout all the different candidates. The CEO type, Robert Sala, I think, is that. And he definitely gets the most out of his guys with the energy that he brings. He's an impressive guy. And you said, uh, you know, it, it, a very emotional on the sideline, like in a positive way. He he seems right. like he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And everything is about encouragement and and getting the guys not only just ready to go, but uh, supporting them and celebrating with the players when they mm -hmm. do make positive plays. And this team decimated by injuries in the defensive side of the ball, but still what, what were they this year? Like top five overall defensively, or was it a fifth yeah. against the pass? No, they were they're, the 49ers defense top five in the NFL in yards per game, passing yards per game and third down. They were also top 10 in rushing yards per game and red zone touchdown percentage. There you go. You got, you got the numbers across the board and uh, you know, it, and then you go to what a player say about this guy or Richard Sherman is 
highly intelligent, highly opinionated as well. And throughout the season, you'd see quotes coming out of San Francisco, him raving about Salah and his leadership Mm -hmm. acumen, ability, uh, the way he takes charge of the defensive unit. And Kyle Shanahan has talked about, I think we're going to have to proceed without him because he sounded quite confident that he's going to get a job. He's a hot name on the coaching circuit. Um, and that just stands out to you. What happens to you and how do you respond when you get punched in the mouth, when you face adversity? The 49ers faced a ton of it on that side of the ball, and that unit did not go away. That's a testament to him. And also, when you think about the defensive line that he worked with, obviously there's talent there, but they lost to Forrest Buckner in the offseason. He's now a member of the Colts. And we'll come full circle there with Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator. But then Nick Bosa goes down, ironically, against the Jets in week two. And the 49ers defense, still one of the best in the NFL. And Nick Bosa, I mean, Salah was a part of Nick Bosa's development into the rookie of the year or defensive rookie of the year last year. So, yes, that unit has talent. But you said decimated by injuries and still able to perform, I think, is really the the calling card there. And I think that guy's play hard for him in San Francisco. And I think that's obviously transferable to wherever he ends up, whether that's still in San Francisco or if Kyle Shanahan's inkling comes true and he's, he's elsewhere, whether that's with the jets or one of the other openings, I think that whoever he coaches, they're going to play hard for him. So and and I I completely agree with that. I, I don't, I don't think at any time if he's leading up a team next year, yeah, they're going to play through the final whistle, mm-hmm. and they are going to play with energy and enthusiasm. You're never going to look at uh, a solid coach team and say, well, they just didn't seem to have it today. They were a little flat. Right. That, that's not going to happen with his team. Right, exactly. And then after Sala, the Jets interview 31-year-old Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady. And I know that a lot of a lot of NFL fans are always in search of the next Sean McVay, the Rams coach. That's kind of the term ever since Sean McVay became the youngest coach at the time he was hired to be hired as a head coach with the LA Rams. It's worked out great for them, obviously. So in a copycat league, everyone's thinking, well, you know, who's the next guy? And some people have pointed to Joe Brady. Well, I'll say before we dive into him that to your point, the Jets are looking for for a CEO type. So Brady has to fit that mold for the Jets for consideration as well. But I will say that his resume, while short in terms of NFL experience, is quite impressive given that the Panthers had four players to reach a 1,000 scrimmage yards in his first year as coordinator. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, right? Because the the Jets obviously hired Adam Gase in the last coaching coaching cycle. Matt Rule, who they interviewed, went to Carolina, and Rule just uh, plucked Brady from LSU where uh, Brady really made a name for himself was two seasons ago with LSU and Joe Mm -hmm. Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and all those dudes. They (laughs) just went crazy on the rest. The the numbers are ridiculous. They went crazy on the rest of college football. So uh, people, obviously a lot of talent there, no doubt about it. Uh, Eddie O was getting after the recruiting, Um, but uh, Brady took an offense that for years you thought of LSU maybe, hey, we're going to run the ball in the, with the Leonard Fournette types, and they became a passing offense. They fit that 
scheme to their personnel. And then Brady got a lot of attention in NFL circles. So Rule actually ended up picking him for his offensive coordinator. And they did a lot of interesting things there this year. Again, got some very talented players. Uh, they signed Robbie Anderson, free agency, Christian McCaffrey, when he's healthy, one of the best dynamic offensive weapons in the National Football League. But he spread the ball around, you know, yep. so the, it, it wasn't just passing the football with Teddy Bridgewater and the Teddy, a former Jet there. So a lot of connections, and we continue to see that in the league the longer you're in it. Um, but he's a guy who a lot of people have raved about his work ethic. And uh, obviously continues to climb here, the coaching ladder. He went from the NCA to the NFL, and now he's getting head coaching interviews. You know, the numbers that you referenced at LSU are quite sickening. I mean, that offense averaged 568.5 yards per game, 48.4 points per game. Jamar Chase, second in the FBS with 127.1 receiving yards per game, led the FBS with 20 receiving touchdowns. The person that came in second in touchdowns was Justin Jefferson, his teammate, who is the 22nd overall pick this past season. I mean, the numbers are sickening. So yeah, so Brady's right. resume speaks for itself. In you're ready to dive in on the draft already. It, it, but that's one thing, and this is not a draft podcast today. We'll have plenty of, to, uh, plenty of time to talk about that. But let's not forget about Jamar Chase out there. I know, folks, yeah. Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, we'll see if Waddle's playing tonight, right? But this guy, Chase, is unbelievable. Yeah, and Chase, of course, for those who don't know, opted out of the 2020 season. So he's hasn't played. Well, And to your point, he's a great prospect. So that's a podcast for another time. In terms <laughs> of the Jets' head coaching search, after Joe Brady, the Jets interviewed three people Sunday, all three of which played Saturday. And they started things off with Brian Dable, <clears throat> the Bills' offensive coordinator. And that Buffalo offense, I mean, totally transformed as has Josh Allen this season. And uh, that this year speaks for itself in terms of what Dable's been able to do with Allen, Stephon Diggs, and and everyone else that's involved in Buffalo there. Well, Allen's rise has been meteoric. He's improved each of his three seasons. As a rookie, you always looked at the completion percentage, the big knock on him coming out of Wyoming when we did our draft prep was when is the last time you heard of somebody who was inaccurate on a collegiate level and he becomes an accurate quarterback, mm -hmm. never a 60% passer at Wyoming. So that was one of the biggest knocks, right? Well, this year, I think he completed close to 70% of his passes. He was the difference in the game, the wild card game between the bills and the Indianapolis Colts. You could say the, the Colts, won a lot of those battles in that game and they have more opportunities close to 500 yards of total offense but josh allen again was tremendous and he had a rushing touchdown i think a pair of td throws and the, and the bills were able to escape and so you got to give a lot of people credit there you, you give credit to the individual because allen's gotten better uh, you got to give credit to the organization because they've given them weapons like you mm -hmm. mentioned stefan diggs right and they signed Cole Beasley previously in free agency and John Smoke Brown and all that stuff. Um, but you got to give credit to Dayball. And you have to give credit to the quarterbacks coach as well, who is Ken Dorsey, ironically, who used to coach Cam Newton with the Carolina Panthers. But 
long story short about Dayball, he's a championship pedigree. Bottom line, 11 years in New England as an assistant under Bill Belichick in various roles, five Super Bowl rings. Okay, how are you going to do in the collegiate level? Well, you go to Alabama and you coach under maybe the college coach, uh, college, uh, the top coach in college football history, Nick Saban. And you, you one year and you win a national championship with Tua <laughs> playing quarterback, right? 2017. You also have that offensive coordinator experience that people are looking for the play callers, okay? So because he was a coordinator in Kansas City with the Browns and Miami. And then he has just connections too, 2007, 2008, working under Eric Mangini. But uh, just watching the Bills as we do a couple times a year, and then we get to see them play in primetime and things like that. Uh, what I liked about the offense is that his system changed each week, uh, meaning you didn't know if Josh Allen was going to tuck it 12 times and that's part of the game plan. Right. Are they going to spread the field with four? Uh, they're going to spread the field with five receivers and go empty. And, and pick you apart there. Or maybe sometimes they were going to try to incorporate the run. They, they all depended on who they played each week. So you got to like that. You got to like the background he has under these great coaches. Belichick, most notably, 11 years. That's going to help you. Saban, that, that's another feather on his cap. And he knows the AFC East. I just mentioned New England. Just think about it. 11 years in New England. Right. He's just been three years with the Bills. And he was an offensive coordinator in Miami. He knows this division, uh, this division inside and out. So people are asking him about six of the Jets' opponents each year. I mean, who's going to know more than Brian Dayball? Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic point. And Dayball, I, I think, in terms of through the eye of the NFL fan, a lot of people see Brian Dayball as a good match with the L.A. Chargers because he went to high school with GM Tom Telesco over there. Then the Jets interviewed Matt Eberflus who I don't think a lot of people know a lot about, but when you think about player development, he's got a good track record with Darius Leonard in Indianapolis, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And then you go back through his past. Eberflus was the linebackers coach with the Cowboys. Jalen Smith was there and he helped develop him and Sean Lee back in the day. So those are all good things. And then you think about a Jets connection. Well, Rex Hogan, the assistant GM used to work, in Indianapolis under Chris Ballard when Matt Eberflus was there as a defensive coordinator. I think this guy's super intelligent and don't, I, I guess we should not confuse a, a serious look a more of a calm demeanor on the sideline for not being competitive because Eberflus right. is considered to be extremely competitive. And you mentioned the last three seasons with the Indianapolis Colts, the Colts for a long time, remember, you know, before these guys got there, Frank Reich and Eberflus, they were all about Peyton Manning offense, and they made the transition to Andrew Luck, and they, mm -hmm. you know, they tried to outscore you, I thought. I, I think what we've seen from Indianapolis now is that defense has become one of the better units in the National Football League. I mean, bottom line, what, top 10 in rush defense and takeaways the past three years, it, and Eberflus, constantly preach the need for taking the football away and you mentioned player development that is a key piece christopher johnson has said we are a young team we're about to get younger people are all excited about the jets draft positioning that got better over the weekend and i know we'll talk about that here in a little bit but that's the thing drafting a good player is one thing but drafting a good player and developing 
is another. And what we've seen out of Eberflus is he's been able to do that. So they've gotten young talent in there, but that young talent has gotten better and it's grown. And I think the rush defense, wow, Indianapolis, top 10 in rush defense the last two seasons back-to-back for the first time since 76-77. That's saying something. Yeah, he's done a tremendous job in Indianapolis. I actually think it's interesting. I didn't know this before you know, researching Eberflus that he was actually hired when Josh McDaniels was hired for a cup of coffee in mm, Indianapolis yep. before McDaniels turned down the gig. And then Frank Reich got hired and kept Eberflus on the staff. So you mentioned the Jets draft positioning getting a little better. Well, that's a credit to Brandon Staley, whom the Jets interviewed Sunday night or Sunday evening, the Rams defensive coordinator. And, you know, I know I mentioned before, like finding the next Sean McVay on offense. Well, Brandon Staley, who obviously is on the same staff as McVay, might be the same thing, but on defense, he's only 39 years old. He leads the NFL's top unit. And I think kind of like the enemy, the question on Staley is, well, he's a first-year defensive coordinator, and he's working with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So how good is he? I think he's very good because the bottom line, their numbers are better across the board. And then you hear Jalen Ramsey talk about Brandon Staley. It's very impressive as far as him loving playing under Staley. And, oh, by the way, the Rams just took down Seattle over the weekend. That's Pete Carroll's first home playoff loss. Russell Wilson had less than 10 completions. And you mentioned Aaron Donald. I saw Aaron Donald leave that game with a rib injury. And they were taking it to Seattle without Aaron Donald in the lineup. Seahawks went 2 of 14 on third down. So Staley, uh, McVay, Sean, the previously mentioned uh, McVay, Sean McVay, has said – He's a guy who looks at people's skill sets and puts them in position to make plays. So I'm never going to hold that against the coach who is leading the top unit in the National Football League on the defensive side of the ball saying, you coach great players. Well, show me a great player. And typically, I'm going to show you a very good coach on that defensive side of the ball or uh, whatever side of the ball they're coaching. Number one in the NFL. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend when they go against the Green Bay Packers because that's going to be an even tougher challenge. But Russell Wilson, less than 10 completions. The other thing I like about Staley, which I think is very intriguing, Greg Williams, former Jets defensive coordinator, talked about this too, that he used to play quarterback himself. Well, Staley was a quarterback at Dayton. So you like that, that mindset of that resume of, yeah, I used to be attacking defenses and I had to read how people were rushing me and also mm-hmm. what coverages they were doing and disguises in the back end. And now I'm doing that to opposing quarterbacks. And obviously he's doing it pretty well. Yes, he is. And I think that he has a very good reputation in the NFL, even though he's only been a coordinator for a single season. And then earlier this morning, like you said, before we taped this podcast, the Jets interviewed Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator. The Titans were eliminated yesterday which was sunday after losing to the baltimore ravens and arthur smith's resume is very interesting he served under four different coaches in tennessee and he's 38 years old and since being named coordinator in 2019 that offense really took off ever since ryan Tannehill was named quarterback mid-season last year benching marcus mariota and of course derrick henry's led the nfl in rushing yards and touchdowns back-to-back seasons 
Tennessee was tied for second in yards per game this season, number two in rushing, red zone touchdown percentage, very important. And that unit really has very impressive numbers, and Smith has been a big reason for that. Yeah, you struck the nail on the head right there. There are not too many assistants in the NFL who are able to hang around for 10 years and work with four different head coaches in the same organization. So that just speaks to him. One of the guys that I had the great opportunity to work with at the Jets organization for a long time and the longest tenure uh, from an assistant perspective was Bob Sutton. And Bob Sutton held a ton of different roles on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Uh, defensive coordinator, linebackers, and the list goes on and on. Most of the time he was with the linebackers, but it speaks to the man and how well-respected he is that he didn't change for such a long time. And then Andy Reid eventually uh, had him over as defensive coordinator. But, uh, yeah, Arthur Smith's a young guy, though, 38 years old. Uh, obviously, they got Derrick Henry there, and you talk about great players. I mean, uh, what a back! And then Ryan Tannehill. Over the last two seasons, he's totally, he's totally changed the trajectory of his career. We used to think yeah. of uh, Ryan Tannehill as a guy. What is he going to be? Is he a failed first round pick? And he's become a very solid quarterback in the National Football League. So, a lot of credit uh, has to go to Smith. Um, there they lost to the Baltimore Ravens, of course. They had a 10 nothing lead in that ball game, where they um, were not able to put them away. Mm-hmm. But the Smith is now he's available, as you mentioned before. <laughs> well, we got to figure out here if the Jets end up choosing one of these coaches with playoff experience who are on teams who are advancing in the playoffs, is when can you get a guy in here? And I wonder if that factors into the decision at all. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, my first my first instinct would be no, but, yep. I mean, it, it's a good point. Like, I'm pretty sure when the 49ers hi, hired Kyle Shanahan, he was the offensive coordinator with the Falcons when they lost the Super Bowl. They couldn't officially do anything until after the Super Bowl. So that's just something to keep in mind with some of these guys that are still alive. One of them. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Just real quickly, I think, I, I think you're completely right on that is that – Joe D and the way he goes about his business is hey, if this is the right person, you'll right. wait, you'll wait for it. I, I just think it makes the process probably a little bit easier because I'm sure everybody wants to get going, right? You want to get yeah. that partner in house and start attacking all these off season needs you have. Especially when you consider the magnitude of this off season for the jets, having the financial flexibility that they have the number two pick now the number 23 pick, and number 34, six picks in the top 100, which could change to five based on compensatory selections and whatnot. But we'll, we'll get to that, you know, later in the offseason. But it, my point being, it's a long offseason and it's an important one for the Jets. And the Jets want to have this guy in as quickly as possible, but they also want to make sure that it is, in fact, the right guy to your point. And one of those guys who's still alive in the playoffs is Saints secondary coach Aaron Glenn, who, of course, used to play for the Jets and the Saints beat the Bears. Sunday and Aaron Glenn. I mean, I guess would you kind of consider him like almost a dark horse candidate in terms of the public perception? Because I don't even think he was a guy where if he asked 10 people, like 10 fans, 10 experts to put together a list of who you think the Jets would interview, I don't know how many lists Aaron Glenn would have been on. 
Uh, fair. Maybe an under-the-radar candidate, but I, I think the more you, you investigate and, and the more you appreciate Aaron Glenn's resume, uh, the more it makes sense, right? Right. Uh, uh, you know, he played here, had success, and he played here under one of the NFL's top builders, if not the NFL's top builder in the history of the league, Bill Parcells. So he played under that. He saw that firsthand. Okay. And he played with a a couple coaches here with the Jets, obviously, and most notably uh, recently with the New Orleans Saints, secondary coach working with Sean Payton, one of the NFL's uh, top head coaches over the course of the last 20 years, easily. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's gotten a lot of experience under his belt. He's done different things here with the Jets. I like it that he knows the organization. He knows the Johnsons. He knows Jaime Elhai. He also knows what it's like to play in New York and also what it's like for people to coach in New York and be in that spotlight. And he knows this fan base. And right. he's been he's been a successful, uh, not just as a player, he's been successful as a coach. So I really like this one. Again, are people going to say, well, he's not calling plays? It doesn't matter. really doesn't. You guys just got to find the right head coach, the right leader of men, the right CEO, the right partner for Joe Douglas, the right visionary for Christopher Johnson, Jaime Elhai, and Joe Douglas, and and the guy who's going to put together the best plan. And I think it's tremendous. Um, I know Aaron personally. He's a good man. He's a smart man. He was a really good football player, one of the jet top cornerbacks who ever played for the New York Jets. And he's right in the mix of it right now with the New Orleans Saints. You know, I think that's a perfect way of what you were describing. I know you were talking about Aaron Glenn, but also it applies to everybody in terms of partner, vision, identity, all that stuff is what the Jets are looking for in their 20th head coach of the organization. And what better way to close out the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services with a little former Jet action and Aaron Glenn, obviously, as this coaching search continues. Make sure to check out NewYorkJets.com. We break down all the candidates there as well. And we have articles on each candidate that the Jets have interviewed. And we'll be back next week for another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by AWS. AWS.